a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. Welcome back, Rebels and Imperials, to Force Ghost Coast to Coast. I am Brian. With me, as always, are Matt and Liz. Hello, friends. Hello. Hey, how's it going? That is your standard. Uh, is green it? Yeah, I noticed <laughs> yeah. that was a couple of shows. I was like, oh, wow. Matt, Matt has a standard introduction. That's good. Uh, so we are here today to talk about the manga adaptation of Star Wars, The Legends of Luke Skywalker, written by Ken Liu, I believe, is the author of the prose version. Mm-hmm. And these four stories have, uh, obviously, different... Uh, people adapted them. We'll talk about that as we get to each story. But Matt, both you and I have the prose version of this book. Yes. And there are six stories in that book, correct? Uh, correct. And uh, so two of them were not adapted for this manga. But there's also a prologue. Why don't you fill us in on what the prologue is? Because that is not in the manga, and I and felt it, it should have been. Yeah, it it kind of weaves it all together. So I believe it is, it's six, I think it's six and probably more individuals, on their way to Kanto Bite. Um, indentured workers, slaves, um, whatever have you. Um, and they are telling stories that they have heard about Luke Skywalker. So that is why it's the legends of Luke Skywalker. Um, very much like the Mad Max movies is kind of this unreliable narrator stories that they have heard secondhand, thirdhand. Um, and there's different perspectives. We'll talk about that when we move through the four. There's different, um, perspectives of the storytellers um but they are all telling things that they have heard about this great jedi warrior luke skywalker and kind of comparing stories swapping stories trying to you know one-up each other on these stories which kind of puts it into perspective in a way that the manga doesn't they just have these four wildly outrageous stories about a character that we know before and after this yeah, it seems like in this book, there are a bunch of things that likely could not have happened. All of these stories likely could not have happened. <gasps> really? Scandal. These are not things that could have happened in the Star Wars universe? Well, th- th- but here's the point. Like, I think if you're <laughs> presenting it as these are the legends that are told about him, then you can tell any kind of story you want. Because yes. some of them are fables. Some of them mm-hmm. are, um, you know, whatever. It just seems to me like putting that framing device in lets you read the stories in a way where you can enjoy it for what it is instead of putting on your continuity hat and being like, oh, this does not comply with what I know. You know yeah, by no, having, I agree. By having the framing device of these are just, these are sort of tall tales about Luke Skywalker. I think it helps. Yeah, I had no idea about the prologue since this is the first time I've read <laughs> any manga at all. I mm-hmm. definitely had no idea about the prologue and I think that does give the story some sort of context. Yeah. And I think it makes it more enjoyable knowing knowing that part of it. So Yeah. Because um, I, li- I like the idea of them being fables. Each of them speaks to an aspect of not just Luke, but of the Jedi way and what his brand of being a Jedi means. Curiosity, selflessness, care for others. Um, each story kind of shows a different facet of it. And I like it from that perspective. I like the the fable, tall tale idea. I think it also, each story kind of, each one is set in a different part of the galaxy. And so you get a sort of sense of how people view the galaxy. So like, you know, uh, and we'll talk about this when we get to each story. I feel like each, each individual piece 
does a nice job of showing a different a different citizen in the galaxy from a literal like bug all the way to a scientist and kind of everywhere, everywhere a droid yeah you know and so I, I like that aspect of it but I do wish that that prologue had been in place yeah no I agree this almost feels it, I don't know now that I know that prologue exists almost a little bit like Canterbury Tales and that it has that frame tale and that people are on a trip going to one place together and each person is telling a separate story. And I was even going to mention, maybe in particular to Brian, that the first two stories almost seem to have almost like a religious context in the way Luke is almost worshipped, it seems, in yes. some way. Yes. Um, very English teacher of you to bring up the yeah. Canterbury Tales. <laughs> Sorry, I couldn't no, help no, myself. No, no. I, I love the Canterbury Tales. It's actually, I, I, I have a lot of Canterbury Tales thoughts. But that, that's a different <laughs> podcast for a different day. Um, so should we just dig into each of these four stories? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So the first one is called the Starship Graveyard, and it was adapted by Akira Fukaya and Taka, uh, Takashi Kasaki. And um, so this story is about an Imperial that um, his ship is blown up. He escapes in an escape pod and winds up crashed on Jakku. And it's it sort of implied this might be from the Battle of Jakku, which is what we. We know it takes place. It takes place in the aftermath novels. It's what, like in the beginning of the Force Awakens, we see there's a uh, star destroyer like on yes. Jakku. That is from the Battle of Jakku. So I, I presume this is the Battle of Jakku, at least the aftermath. And so we see Luke there, or somebody he believes to be Luke Skywalker. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's never really confirmed. He he's sort of like um, like an outlaw in a western here, where he has he has a cloak over his head, and you don't really ever know. He never really reveals himself. Um, but he's doing clearly Jedi things, uh, yeah. You know, across the, across this story. Um, so overall, what did you guys think of this first story, Matt? I want to start with you. Yeah, I mean, my gut instinct was, I and I texted you about it. Like the shocking kind of violence of it was jarring, um, but I, it was interesting to see this sort of redemption arc of an Imperial and this kind of what it takes to shock awake. Um, people have been so convinced of the rightness of the Imperials. Cause we see them vilifying the rebels, vilifying Luke Skywalker. And when he sees this mercy, this compassion that is such a piece of Luke how that can kind of change him. So I think that to me, even more than the kind of, you know, ushering through the Red Sea moment type things, um, was really, really impressive to me. And how that kind of spark of the rebellion almost um, comes directly from Luke. I like that. Liz, what did you think of this first story? Yeah, um, maybe to go along with what Matt said. Um, in the end, you know, it turns out the Empire turns out to be what he thought the rebels were. They're the ones that are torturing him in the end, which yeah. sort of mm-hmm. sparks his conversion. And it seemed almost, you know, typical Star Wars in the end in that sort of idea of hope. He leaves this guy with this idea that, you know, we're all Luke Skywalker. We're all rebels. It's a very Spartacus moment. It is, you know, yes. Everyone's saying, I am Spartacus. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we're all Luke Skywalker. Yeah. Um, which I felt like very, you know, very Star Wars esque mm-hmm. in its level of hope, and and it also brings up because again, this even though this is published now as a manga, it 
came out as stories pre movie number two. Yes, th- this was this was uh, released at, at before every Star Wars saga film. They released a series called um, I think it's called the Road, Road to, to the yeah. Road to and then Black. So the Road to the Force Awakens, the Road to the Last. And this was part of the Road to the Last Jedi series. And so I think that because because the Force Awakens ends with Luke on Octu, you don't really know what his deal has been. This was sort of to fuel that mystery. Okay, what yeah. has he been up to? Well, here are some potential possible stories about him. Yeah, and I, th- I think it comes to a point that you had made pre-movie um, three. Mm-hmm. The idea of Skywalker being not a name that is taken, but the idea of this is what Jedi are now. They've become their Skywalkers. When people think of Jedi, they don't think of the Old Republic. They think of Luke. They think of this new path forward. Um, That was obviously changed somewhere (laughs) midstream, but it does feel like that is where they were going with this idea. Mm -hmm. Um, Especially in the story. Yeah, especially in the story. And I very much, I I like that idea. Mm -hmm. Well, uh, I thought that this was maybe my least favorite art of the four stories. Um, And it's not, it's not particularly terrible or anything. It's just, it's, it's, um, I would say that this is the most, hmm, how can I say this? It reminded me in, in a sort of fun way of some of the like black and white comics I was reading in the early nineties, stuff like Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, but not necessarily that where there were some pages that I thought were really great. And then some that looked really rushed to me. Um, it was fine. Yeah, I didn't think this was particularly. I thought, I thought that some of the other stories had much better art in it. Um, any other story? Any other comments on this story, though? Before we move on to the next one. Um, I don't think so. I just one thing I noticed. I think this focused on sort of the idea of individual rebellion, and mm-hmm. I think you know some of the others focus more on you know group rebellion right when we're ta- thinking if you're thinking of rebellion yeah this that's is a good more, point I like yeah that, that is good. Yeah. yeah it's good too yeah exactly yeah. people this is this is challenging the people to be their own re- each person be their own mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. i like that excellent metatextual oh. observation list oh, well thank you i appreciate that <laughs> uh so the next story oh it wouldn't be a podcast without buster barking um the next story is called i droid and it was adapted by haruchi Haruichi, I'm sorry. Haruichi. Haruichi. I am the world's worst cold pronunciator. <laughs> when I see something, it takes me five times to get it right. I'm no better. <laughs> um, so this story, um, which I wrote down, this is the Luke Wears Robot Face story. <laughs> uh, <yeah>. Yes. <laughs> yeah. uh, droid Face? Oh, I guess it's, it definitely is Droid Face, yeah, I would dro- say. Uh, that's not the first time we've used that yeah. in this podcast. No, it's not. <laughs> we, we've seen Droid Face before. Yes, we have. Um, Problematic then, too. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Uh, so... This this story is about a captured R2-D2, and then, um, I'm putting this in quotes, C-3PO comes to save him. <laughs> Turns out, psych, it's Luke wearing 3PO like a skin. <laughs> <laughs> I, I spent too much time thinking about how he accomplished that. Right, like, did he just go like on eBay I mean, and buy, <laughs> buy yeah. an, an old uh, C-3 unit? You know, yeah, or, or, or is he wearing C-3PO's... Yeah, yeah, that's like, something I considered be, because too. Like, we've seen we've seen him naked yeah. in, in uh, uh, Phantom Menace. Yeah, so, it's clearly yeah. removable. For some reason, you can just be bare wires yes. like a you know Five Nights at Freddy's monster. But <laughs> nice yeah. reference, thank you. Yeah, 
Um, I will say though, this I thought artistically was really a good. I really enjoyed this. It was a very um, true to the Star Wars universe look. Like all the droids were, yeah. as you expect to see them in a Star Wars film or in um, like a Star Wars comic. This Agreed. is very much film accurate this um this artist does a princess leia web comic oh so that might also be where we see a little more clicked into the aesthetic of the universe oh, okay interesting liz what did you think of this story um i i liked the story um i i kind of liked well i i liked the part where the droid was used to um maintain order amongst its own kind i guess which has kind of been done throughout history yeah um you know with different groups of people if you give one person a little bit of power sometimes they're willing to take it if it gives them the edge um perhaps you know in the real world um it's a little different here um this robot does not have this droid does not have that choice yeah. right it's taken away from her which was interesting i thought it was interesting also the robot the droid was a her um, but yeah, I liked the story overall, and I thought it showed that, um, you know, the idea that Luke wasn't willing to kill, um, you know, people perhaps that were yeah. um, not fighting of their own volition. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's a broken record at this point, me talking about the nonviolence of Luke Skywalker. Yeah. And, and how yeah. I, that's that's one of my big things that he is he is at heart a nonviolent character. Mm -hmm. And I feel like this is a very good example of that he even considers droids to be life forms of some sort. Yeah. So he's refusing to do any more damage than he absolutely has to uh, in this circumstance. And so I did appreciate that. I felt this was maybe... This one or the last story were the most accurate representations of Luke that we see um, across the four stories, perhaps. I, I don't mean visually. I just mean like in terms of yeah, the tone. The, the sort character. Of, yeah, how yeah. he presents himself. Um, and, you know, the droids are, are always interesting. When I say the droids, I think when you talk about droids, you mean everybody. The droids are C-3PO and R2-D2. The droids are an essential part of Star Wars. I mean, they're basically the only characters to appear in... They appear in every non-solo Star Wars film. Yep. Mm -hmm. uh, they, they're they in the Clone Wars. They're in... Are they in an episode of Rebels? Yep. I thought so. They are. Um, and I believe they are in an episode of Star Wars Resistance as well. So they really... They carry Star Wars along in a lot of ways. And so I liked having a story focused on them. Um, but I was glad that we got... That we got Luke instead of 3PO because 3PO can be <laughs> insufferable at times. That is and, correct. Uh, especially, I feel like, paradoxically, his voice is what makes him annoying in the films, but the written voice is even worse than the, than the spoken <laughs> voice somehow. In Star Wars media where 3PO is, has written dialogue, it is somehow worse than hearing oh. it. I don't know how that's possible, but that's, oh, wow. that's how I feel. So, yeah. Yeah. Tough. Matt, what did you think of this? I, I really liked it. Um... I, I like the seeing the struggle in the droid because again it's it's this idea of good versus evil um, that Star Wars oftentimes has trouble with. Um, seeing this idea played out and the struggle of the droid, um, and also there it brings in an interesting dynamic of Luke as both 
human and droid, which is something that we saw a bit with Anakin and his transformation into Darth Vader. Um, He's more machine than man now. Yes. And we see that his foil um, is General Grievous, who General Grievous voluntarily gives up his human body to for a machine body, a superior body, where Anakin's is taken from him and what that means to these two characters. Um, and there's always some conflict in it. And Luke's kind of peace at being a droid because he see his idea of life being more than just organic mm-hmm. um, and his comfort and his ability to rebuild and empathize with the overseer droid, I thought was a really special moment where he makes sure to take him back and give him back, you know, his arms, his hands, um, in a lot of ways, his own autonomy. And in that moment is able to empathize with him about their nature as part machine um, I thought was really, really interesting in that kind of broad view that Luke has of the universe um, that we then see in story number four as mm-hmm. well. Yeah. Yeah, I thought this story was very effective. Um, I think it was probably my favorite of the four. I don't know how you guys feel about that. Uh, for me, it was the fourth one. Okay. But was- one, it's obvious why that is, is when we talk about it. So <laughs> okay. I was between this one and the fourth one. Yeah. Yeah, um, I think one of the other, like, I, I think what you said, Matt, is really astute. And you know, talking about Luke being able to empathize with a droid is something we've also seen. Like over time, when you look, when you watch the prequels, many of the Jedi treat the droids like they're nothing. They just kind of see them as an annoyance or, or worse. And you see certain. Jedi, specifically Obi Wan and Anakin, yeah, really treat them with respect. And then, you know, Luke is Anakin's son, was trained by Obi Wan, so you see that sort of carried on. And it was it's nice to see sort of the tradition of um, I don't even know what, the, what I'm looking for. I guess empathy is really the yeah. best, you know, empathy with the droids. So yeah, I thought this was this was excellent. This was really well done. It's very much a Harry Potter idea where you can see how good of a person someone is by how they treat people that are lesser than yes. them. Um, we don't have goblins in this universe. We do have droids. <laughs> and I think it does say a lot about someone's character, the way that they interact with the droids. Yes. Mm-hmm. Any other notes from this? I'm trying to think. I don't... No, I mean... Yeah, no, I can't think of anything. Okay. I liked it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I did good. like it. Yeah, I, I did. There was one line that I thought was funny. I don't know if it was meant to be funny. Okay. At the end, after the rebellion, how the droid talks about how the wave and chirps and beeps and whistles was the most beautiful binary music I had ever heard. Oh. I don't know binary music is beautiful, but I don't know. Yeah, I mean, to, to them, it might be beautiful. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Yeah, who knows? Who knows? All right, so let's take a quick break. When we come back, we'll talk about the last two stories in this anthology. (laughs) Hello, we're the hosts of the Multiversity Manga Club podcast. I'm Emily. I'm Zach. And I'm Walter. Each month, we pick a manga to read and discuss among ourselves. Past books include Monster, A Silent Voice, and Pokemon Adventures. We also look back on the past month's installments of Weekly Shonen Jump, discussing the highs and lows from the Viz Anthology. We've even discussed notable manga adaptations like Netflix's Death Note. At the end of each episode, we announce next month's book club pick so you can read along with us. 
We're always open to suggestions for future books as well. So join us on the first Friday of every month on multiversitycomics.com, Apple Podcasts, or your podcatcher of choice. And we are back with part two of our conversation. The two, I would say, most different stories we're going to get back to back here. One of which I think is very um, sort of serious and emotionally resonant and one that is absolutely not. We're going to start with the one that is not, and that is the tale of Lugubrious Moat. I couldn't figure out which was which for a minute. Oh, yeah, sure. Yes. That it must have been confusing for you. <laughs> yeah. um, adapted by Subaru. And uh, so this this story is, it's the only story that we get in this book, at least of these four stories, that we have seen from a different perspective. So this is very much... Um, like a Rashomon, if anyone's ever seen that film, which it, it tells the same story from three different perspectives. So this is the story of basically Luke coming to Jabba's palace, but not told from Luke's perspective, or Leia's, nope. or Jabba's. Or Salacious Crumb, as or you Salacious think it Crumb, is. Who is who is certainly part <laughs> of this story. But Matt, who is this story told from the perspective of? Uh, the Flea himself. Uh, what is it? Le- Lugubrious moat. L- ludicrous moat. Yes. Chris guy- Bridges. <laughs> Chris Bridges. The guy from Red Hot Chili Peppers? Yeah. No, it uh yeah. It it is a intelligent symbiotic flea um that befriends Princess Leia. Um is feminist. Um <laughs> I feel like that's a yes and a no. <laughs> <laughs> um but it uh by long, long time ago standards, maybe. Um, but is it's such a weird choice. So, so here is my my initial comment. So, uh, for Multiversity, once a month, I review a uh, a chapter from. So the company that puts this out is called Viz, and Viz is something called Shonen Jump. It's a it's a weekly anthology of manga stories, and so I read. I'm not a regular manga reader, but someone dropped off our team, and so I have stepped in. And so I, I read. A little bit of manga here and there. And I feel like this story is the most stereotypically manga of all the stories. I feel like a lot of manga stories can go real broad with their comedy and can sort of get real silly at times. Not all manga, but some shonen manga can get that way. And so this, to me, felt the most like a non-Star Wars story. Does that... Matt, does that track with you? Yeah, it does. And I, the, the shonen, uh, meaning the young boys um, genre of manga um yeah i could see that a little bit more slapsticky a yep. little bit more action for action's sake yes um and humor that seems oddly placed but blends somehow yeah i could i could i i like that comparison a lot and i think also visually like for instance we see princess leia looking pretty standard like leia until she makes a face like this where it's, <laughs> it's sort of taking a um it's very much over-exaggerated, which, again, is a very shonen yes. manga thing to do, where you have a panel or two that will act as just this like very exaggerated, to-make-a-point visual image. And so I, I feel like if I had read this before I got more um, versed in shonen manga, I might have found this harder to read, or at least harder to contextualize. Than I did, um, have, having had some background on that. I, I can see that. I mean, because it, it relies a lot on juxtaposition mm-hmm. um, that doesn't always make sense to, I guess, non-Western, non-manga reading 
enthusiasts. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So Liz, that's meaning who Liz, who doesn't read <laughs> That could be me. Yeah. So what did you think of this story? Well, I just thought the tone was very different than the other three. Mm-hmm. Um, I will say it was my least favorite out of the four stories. Um, I'd back you on that. Okay. Yeah, me, too. me too. All right. Um, I, and I guess just, I don't know... I'm not sure what exactly made it my least favorite. I don't know if it was because it was a story I was already familiar with. Um, One of the things that stood out for me, and this wasn't necessarily what made me like it the least, was how it poked fun of the Force and really made fun of Luke, which maybe (laughs) I kind of liked, but I was surprised about, because I feel like that's very unusual for Star Wars. I feel like the Force is almost sacred, and Luke is almost sacred, as, you know, we sort of see in the other three stories. Right. Yeah, I would say that this this one definitely kind of makes Luke a bit of a dummy. Yeah. You know, he, he thinks that, I mean, to be fair... I have never had a flea speak in my ear. Maybe it sounds like a force ghost. Yeah. But, you know, he, he basically thinks that this is, uh, you know, a, a a ghost of a Jedi speaking to him. Yeah, mm-hmm. and it kind of <laughs> it, it kind of shows that Luke is. I mean, in a way, you know, Luke looks very um, looks very established Jedi when we see him in Return of the Jedi. But you gotta realize, like, dude hasn't been a dude's not a Jedi yet, <laughs> and dude has not been training to be a Jedi for very long. Yeah, and so you know, this does kind of show a more rookie-ish understanding of the Force, which I kind of liked, like you said. Yeah, Liz. yeah. So I I did enjoy that. I I did like the fact, I guess, that like Leia kept the secret with this flea, I guess, from Luke, which was <laughs> a weird twist it, in yeah. some way. Yeah, I don't know. That was very bizarre as well. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It was just and like Matt mentioned, the it did mention the humiliating nature, humiliating nature of her outfit. Yes. Yeah. Finally. (laughs) But still, drew her in the outfit. Yeah. Um, Yes. (laughs) But it did mention that as well. And I mean, to be fair, Liz, as a non-manga reader, some manga, (laughs) some mangaka would have would have totally sexed this up way more than it was (laughs) here. This is this is is modest, a low level of modest manga. Yes. yes. I gotcha. All right. Yeah, um, I I think it's interesting for two points. One, um, this is the youngest Luke we see, so we do see this very rookie esque um, Jedi. So we see instead of his kind of established nature, he's trying to fill this role, um, which he's I find playing Jedi. Yeah, 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 very very interesting. Um, and I think the other interesting part is if you bring it back to that context of these are six stories that are being told by people about Luke, the balls of the guy who comes up next in line is like, you know what I heard about Luke Skywalker? (laughs) It's all bullshit. There's a flea that whispered into his ear the whole time. That's how he killed Jabba the Hutt. And everyone else in the room being like, Cool, bro. Yeah. Yeah. All right. That's a good point. You're right. Yeah. Hmm. Although, you do you do get to see Boba Fett die again, yes, which is A plus in my book. <laughs> so what I was gonna say though is I wonder if it was intended when written as like, you know because I mean Ray says in, in The Force Awakens, like Luke Skywalker, he was real. Like people think this guy's a myth. And so on one hand, you could see there being a lot of Paul Bunyan type stories about him, but also you could 
you know, I feel like this is told by the Ricky Gervais of this world, where like <laughs> he has to shit on any religion that he comes across, and so like you know, the force isn't real; it's a flea. Like you know, just some just some real aggressive atheist of the, against the force. Yeah, this guy's just a stand-up comic. Exactly. And, yeah, and that's an interesting way to look at it because we talk a lot about this idea of people not believing in the force, people not believing in Jedi when. The Jedi Council was a very real thing up until 30 years before A New Hope. Um, and you're like, how do people not believe these things? 19 years. 19? Yeah, even less. Yeah. yeah. So it's like, how do they not believe them? But there are whole groups that don't know about the Jedi, that don't believe in the Jedi, that think it's other things. So I think that, I like that perspective of it. Yeah, that's you know, pretty cool. But, but, it's a but cool again, to look at when it. you eliminate the concept of this, this is all being told by different storytellers, you, you lose that perspective. I think that's yeah. a much more interesting yeah. read of it. It's a weird whiplash to go from those two other stories that are so interesting and heroic and, almost, like you say, like biblical in nature and then you come to this. And I was like, what is going on? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Real weird. It, it, it's definitely a tonal shift. And I feel like I'm kind of glad it comes when it does in the book. Because if it had started this way, I think it would have been even more jarring to to come back from that. And I think if you ended on this, it would end on a very insubstantial note it's almost the perfect spot for it because it is such a change in tone and i think maybe the other three in a row would just seem repetitive this is sort yeah. of a change this that is you a maybe sorbet, need as you it will. is it is <laughs> to a cleanse nice, the palate a yeah. nice lemon sorbet yeah 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 really. um, i thought that visually there were some cool sequences in this i i think that again the uh, the artist uh, subaru did a nice job of just like Luke calling the lightsaber to him, there's a cool like you know, sort of you see the rush of motion and all of that, mm -hmm. and I I generally enjoyed a lot of that. I just feel like it's a weird, it's a weird thing to introduce, especially without that the idea of the narrators that we talked about before. Yeah, anything going into it knowing that all of these stories are from unreliable narrators. These are you know three times told tales. Um, that that makes it much more digestible than going into it and being like, what, what is this? Yeah. Mm -hmm. I did like the idea. There is something fun. Um, this this story does the same thing that the um, the Phineas and Ferb um, Which we're gonna be watching TV special does. At some point. Yeah. It it brings you in um, the same thing that like um, Shadows of the Empire did. It connects with the stories we already know and gives it a kind of different light which is always enjoyable to see yeah i think i don't think this story would have worked at all if it was something we hadn't already seen i think because we knew every beat of what was going on that it worked i don't think it would have worked otherwise yeah i think that's a very good point i think you really couldn't have done this story you couldn't have done this flea story without it being I mean, you could have done it in another Star Wars scene if this took place at the cantina from the perspective of the flea maybe it could work but like you can't you couldn't just do it a new story yeah agreed agreed um yeah yeah but I will say for all the 
this isn't Star Wars, it we've seen weirder than this. So <laughs> it, it it is what it is. Star Wars is a large universe with lots of stories in it. So we've got room for weird. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Uh, I would definitely say that this is also the most kid friendly. I could see my daughter reading this and really laughing at this and finding it was it was funny. Mm-hmm. Um, Not it, jabbing a hyper needle into someone's jugular at the end of the story. No, would... <laughs> no, not that at all. Yeah, <laughs> uh, that was the first story for those that haven't read this <laughs> yet. Yeah. Oh yeah, um, yeah. I'm actually going to tweet out tomorrow from the Force Ghost Twitter and the Multiverse Twitter, like, hey, read this book before next Friday. We're doing a book club on this. So hopefully folks will will have read this by the time they hear it. So we'll see. Yeah, it's a quick and enjoyable read. It was very quick. I waited till last minute last night. Yeah. (laughs) You look like 214 pages. Oh, no. But then it it flies. It does. Mm -hmm. Yeah. All right. Well, let's talk about the last story then, which is called Big Inside. And it's adapted by Akira Himikawa. And this story... um, very much models itself after a scene in The Empire Strikes Back, which does not feature Luke Skywalker. And it is when um, Han, Leia, Chewie, and the droids are being chased uh, after leaving Hoth, and they're trying to escape the clutches of the Empire en route to Cloud City. And so um, we get Luke. Luke basically picks up a space hitchhiker. (laughs) I guess that's the only way you can really say it. and uh, and they are they are flying. She is a geologist, I believe, or some some biologist. Sort of biologist. Yeah, I think biologist. Okay. okay, and they 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 see this interesting cave and they fly into it. But uh, to quote Han Solo, "This is no cave." Yeah. Um. Yeah. Matt, what do you think of the story? So th- this was this was my favorite, um, and I think. The big picture reason I liked it is because we see the idea of the force through another foreign being's perspective. I forget what they call it. The the weave? They they have a name that the... So, long story short, they get caught in the creature. They survive through all sorts of ordeals. And they find themselves in the presence of these three beings that got stuck there before. Um, they had kind of trap themselves to protect themselves. Um, But they reached out with this connection of the force and they connect with Luke via what we call the force, but they call something else. They understand that all things are kind of bound together. All things are um, connected and there's a energy that flows through us and them. Um, And I like that idea of the force being something bigger and greater than just Jedi, bigger, greater than just Sith. This idea, like the Bendu, for example, being a force being we see. Um, and I love anything that kind of hints at that bigger aspect of the force. So that automatically made me love it. Um, and I also had one of my favorite moments of Luke Skywalker. It's a tie between him shutting off all the droid overrides. Um, with the force. With yeah. the force. Um, and when he's killing the Minox and she notices his regret in having to kill these creatures, even though they're parasites, even though they're threatening them, um, that he has this knowledge that it's what needs to be done, but even killing those creatures pains him. Um, and I think that moment to me spoke out as like the most Luke Skywalker, moment in the whole 
kind of four stories. And I really, really liked that moment. Yeah. Liz? Yeah, I, I really liked this story. Um, I was talking about how I liked the second one and this one the best. Um, I, I I just feel like this sort of addressed, I don't know, just sort of I, the big picture, the big outside. I know it's called the big inside, which mm-hmm. I thought was interesting because I feel like people usually talk about like the big outside or what's going right. on outside. And I feel like this kind of focused, like Matt said, on this idea that we're all connected in some way. Mm-hmm. Um, which is something, you know, the force addresses and then we get these other beings that address it in another way. This idea that they connect all sentient beings in some way. Um, and you know, something Luke addresses as well. Um, like with his connection with Obi-Wan, um, and you know, how Obi-Wan helps save Luke, um, and this sort of larger idea of saving others saving ourselves how we can all help each other how we're all just save the children connect- to save the world like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah exactly yeah, yeah. you know it all it, we're all connected it's all the <laughs> same but i it just sort of seemed like it came into this larger picture how we can all just absolutely help each other just, yeah and which i really liked which yeah. i really enjoyed but i i thought there was an interesting moment to see in luke's journey so at this point we see luke seeking the jedi temples um, in that journey somewhere between, you know, episode six and episode seven, um, before he comes to the end of this road, looking for answers, looking for these bigger pictures. And I think from my interpretation, again, remember this comes out before rise of Skywalker before last Jedi, even. more or last Jedi. Yeah. is this idea that Luke was looking for something, looking for answers, looking for how to piece everything together and then when he finds the answers that the Jedi have is disappointed by them. Um, I think it's a really interesting moment to see him so excited to learn the secrets of the Jedi. And then when he does, he rejects them. Uh, which we then again muddy in Rise of Skywalker as to a search for Exegol, but whatever. Right. Um, but I think that's really interesting to see him in this moment in the journey, in this upswing of yeah. kind of seeking the answers um, before finding them and having them be hollow. Yeah. Uh, This definitely has the weirdest character moment of Luke, though, which is that they draw him with like a shitty teenage mustache and then that's, fire burns it off. That's oh, yeah. the beginning yeah. of the scruffy Luke. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. and then it like melts off his face. Yeah, he was, like, it was so hot, my face melted. Like, <laughs> yeah. It's yeah. a very, very weird choice to make. Yeah, uh, you know what? It, it's weird in the manga. It's got to be even weirder in <laughs> yes. the prose version, because, because the, right? They have to write like a scruffy Luke Skywalker appears, and then yeah. he has to say no more. It's like, yeah, yeah. don't worry, just burned <laughs> off my facial hair, yeah. <laughs> not my eyebrows, just my yes, <laughs> yes the facial hair. Yeah, just a little, little unusual. Oh, yeah, that was weird. but overall, you know, I thought this was an excellent story as well. Um, I felt that this one sort of almost all the other stories were about how can I say this were about individuals and how their opinion of Jedi or the universe or the Empire were changed by meeting Luke and while this hitchhiker character she is changed by meeting Luke I think this is the first story that shows Luke changing a little bit too. Like we see growth from Luke in this story. That's yeah. A good point. And I think that that's 
an interesting place to leave this story. Mm-hmm. Um, I will say that this story is the least fun of them to me. Like I, th- I think that there's not as much. Um, there aren't as many moments where you feel like, oh, that's a really great beat here. You mentioned killing the Minox. To me, mm-hmm. that's like the most memorable yeah. sequence of the story. But I think that for Luke as a character, this is the most important of the four stories. Yeah, I'd agree. Mm-hmm. I agree too. Yeah. Um, I really wish that this book had included a bit about the the narrators because the more I think about it, I'm really glad I read that prologue before I read this. But but I wish you had. I Liz wish because, I knew because I think that would have that might have changed I, your initial reading. I agree. Yeah. yeah, I think it would have changed the way I read the stories because it, ma- it for makes sure. It, oh yeah, sorry. Um, it makes it very much much like the title of the last one, bigger on the inside, a very much Doctor Who style thing. It's all of these people who these stories are where they intersected for just a moment with this larger than life character and how that one moment changed everything for them, Um, which is for anybody who's a Doctor Who fan, very much what we see with the Doctor when he interacts with individuals. Um, It's just that moment and then everything moves, everything changes. It makes him into this very much larger than life figure, Um, which is almost sad that we don't see more than just in this book. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. If if the Skywalker saga is about how they change the universe, this is about how they change individuals. Like how the how Luke changes individuals. And I, I do like that a lot. Um I'd be really interested to see and maybe this was the plan if the book was successful. I don't know if it was or was not, but to see more stories in this vein because you could tell infinite legends of somebody. Yeah. These um, could go on forever. Yeah. Yeah, I don't want to read into anything. It might just be a listing error, but Amazon does list this as book 1. Hmm. So the I, manga as book 1 or the novel? The as manga as book 1. So I wonder if there is more planned hmm. if there might make the other two and add two more. Yeah, maybe are the other two stories longer? Oh, maybe. Yeah, maybe. maybe. maybe yeah, they'll maybe. be adapted into their own, yeah. like two in a book instead of four yeah. in a book. Yeah, that'd be nice. That makes sense, yeah. Hmm, interesting. Yeah. yeah. I, I think that this is uh, it's certainly a worthwhile read. Yeah, I It mean, really, I, really was. I enjoyed my first manga experience. Yeah? Yeah. 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 I did. And I think I it's, read it's, more. It's, yeah, I think it's, it's also it's it's a they nice. Only get darker, more erotic from here. Oh well, <laughs> yeah. no, souls. <laughs> uh, I will say that this is probably um, this this may not be the only Star Wars manga we read because there are other sort of like the web comic we talked about before. Yeah, uh, and so maybe we'll get back to this at some point. But I do think it's nice for us to explore different types of Star Wars media, and this is something that probably is relatively unique in that sense. And so I'm glad we got to do this. Yeah, yeah. me too. Me too. All right. Well, um, thanks for listening, everybody. We'll be back in a couple of weeks. Uh, Matt and I are going to do an episode about the first couple of episodes of the uh, uh, season seven of The Clone Wars, which yep. starts. We're recording this on the 20th. Tomorrow, the first episode drops Ooh. on Disney Plus. Nice. So um, I definitely knew that. Didn't learn that right now. So. <laughs> I can tell by your reaction. <laughs> well, it's my brother's birthday. So the date like stuck out of my head. When I was like, oh, that's Mark's birthday. Mark does not care about this. Um, which is more important. He doesn't listen to this, so okay. I can say whatever I want. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, um, 
And then we're going to talk about uh, we're back in in the end of March. I want to say this to our listeners again so that they can join in with us. We're going to do a whole episode about the music of Star Wars. We're going to listen to a bunch of Star Wars music on our own and then sort of bring some favorites. Uh, and, and maybe we'll talk about, you know, favorite ways that music interact with different scenes. Like uh, I think there's a big difference between listening to a Star Wars soundtrack versus another equally good classical soundtrack where you don't have classical music rather where you don't have the visuals attached to it like there are so many star wars moments that to me are defined by their music so it's interesting to sort of remove the context of that and to talk about them as uh just as they are and we'll drop in some audio clips i just learned how to in this new software music, I can drop in like audio clips as we're recording. Ooh! Ooh. So, so we'll have Jedi rocks playing. Yes, in exactly. the yeah, good, good, exactly. Yes. Um, I have raised my children in a Ewok celebration household, and so uh, <laughs> we 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 occasionally will dance around the kitchen to the Ewok celebration <laughs> song. So we'll have to be talking about that as, as well as other other bits of uh, Star Wars music. And then we have we have lots of ideas for shows going through the summer. So we'll get to those. You know, in due time. But until then, um, you can email us forceghostc2c at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter at forceghostc2c. Um, go to multiversitycomics.com. I, I have a new column called Tales from a Galaxy Far, Far Away, where I am reading all the Marvel Star Wars comics in different orders and things. So, uh, second volume should be out. I think it's the first Tuesday in March. So, yeah, uh, check that out. And remember, until next time, the Force will be with you always. Thank you.